0: Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray while we're standing. Oh, you're already seated. You already seated? it. Uh, even if you're halfway down, that's fine. Lord, we just love you this morning. We appreciate your Holy Spirit. Appreciate your ministry in our lives, Lord. We just tune our hearts to you. We look to you to teach, to train, to ignite. Thank you for the spirit of revival in our hearts, the awakening of the will of God, the awakening of the calling of God, the awakening of the voice of our Father within. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the body today—body life and who we are—and and a little bit about uh, just a healthy body. We love uh, we love our body. We love New Horizon. The church is likened to a body in Scripture, and uh, I was just I was just thinking a little bit about uh, on our way home or somewhere as we were as we were getting home. Joel said. Um, hey, I want us to take on a project. And, of course, that's always scary. Uh, and I said, oh, what is it, love? And she said, well, you know, when we were out there with Justice at the birthing center and, you know, we were, we were seeing all of those families, you know, uh, there's a little, a little one out there that was born with no legs. How old is this little one, by the way? four or five months old, and aren't fingers fused together or something? So, I don't know if you remember, but we've had some of our eldership families, uh, like even the wolves, born with fused fingers. So, Joel blamed it on me. Because somewhere back in the wolf family tree, I had relatives on my dad's side born with six fingers and this and that, you know. And uh, so... Uh, one of the wolf's children was born, you know, with a little bit of appendage difficulty. Um, how many of you know it's exciting when they can get that repaired? And so she said, you know, I don't know. I think we ought to look into this, and maybe we can help that little one get the fingers uh, opened up. And aren't there? This little one is a girl, right? And isn't she missing some fingers too? so it 's important that some of that happens, and then uh, you were talking maybe about prosthetics or something to help her walk and it grabbed her heart, yeah. stuff like that grabs our hearts. Does it grab your heart? Uh, because when we see when we see something that uh, and this is this is the cry of heaven within you, by the way. The cry of heaven within you is that when you recognize something that's not right, even before you ever come to the Lord, you recognize it's not right. There's something of God within you that even when you're sick, you want to get well. Right? And even if some genius theologian comes along and says, oh, no, that's God's will for you to be sick, you might resist that theological understanding and go to a doctor anyway. Anybody in the house this morning? If it's God's will for you to be sick, why in the world are you disobeying him so badly by trying to get well? Why don't you fully yield to God's will? You know, this is God's cry, God's cry uh, in your heart is that you would have a fully enabled body, that you would not be disabled, but that you would be fully enabled. And any of you that are moms and dads, you've had children come out of the womb of the wife. Uh, I I know. I mean, I, I get phone calls, right? Hey, we just got a bad report from our doctor. You know, they're worried about this little one, and my wife is pregnant. And I'm like, all right, let's pray. And we've had multiple miracles in the womb. The next phone call I get is, everything's okay. Everything tested good. Now, there are those that come along and say, oh, you know, uh, well, we do these testings so that the baby could be aborted if you choose to go that route. And I'm like, we do those testings so that we can enforce the rule of heaven you've got to be kidding me. When we get a report that contradicts, there's something of heaven that wells up within. This is even right now in the current climate that we're going through. You know, I don't know if you're watching Facebook, we're getting all of this stuff going on. And the prophetic judges of the church are, you know, speaking and they're saying that this is the judgment of God. And, you know, we had fires in Oregon and fires in Washington and fires here and fires there. And then we had an earthquake there. And then, we had, and then we've got Irma coming and we had Harvey visit and we've got Jose on the way and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is an opportunity for Christians to rise up and declare to the winds, peace be still. This is an opportunity for us to enforce the goodness of God. The earth is groaning. It's been groaning, by the way, for a long time. The earth is groaning. It's been subject to the curse and subject to futility. But it says there in Romans 8 that it's longing, the earth is longing for the sons of God to come out of their prayer closet or their hiding closet or their quiet closet. And let me tell you something, that in the midst of the earth groaning, it's the enemy that's working to destroy Satan cometh to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come to give life. The presence of the Lord is a presence that gives life. It is the cry within us for life. And even even the unbeliever, even the unbeliever will have the witness of the Spirit of God within them. So when we run around, what's interesting is that if Satan can convince the church that calamity is God's will or God's judgment. Then He can keep you from praying. Yeah, yeah, right. He might even keep you from helping. Well, I don't know if I should help them. They probably deserved it down there in Houston. They probably—I don't know what they did, but it was so bad. Harvey came in. Poof. So it, when we start when we start processing some of these things with a perspective that is other than redemption. It's other than restoration. He that is spiritual restores. Galatians 6. This is, this is God's heart always, is that he that is spiritual restores. And the earth is longing for the sons of God to take their place. The sons of God rise up, act like Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is headed somewhere. Remember that? Mark 4. I believe it is. But Jesus is headed somewhere. Don't quote me on that one. I don't have the Bible memorized. We're working on it. Jesus is headed to a destination. Remember that? And so he's going across. They've named the destination. And a storm arises. The storm is to keep them from reaching their destination. You know, I'm sharing with somebody yesterday. My goodness, you know, of course Satan wants to destroy America. The givingest nation on the planet. The most missional nation on the planet. Yeah, but there's Hollywood here. Yes, but there's righteous wood here. There's oaks of righteousness all across this land. And 340 or 50,000 churches with people gathering all across this land today. Hello, somebody. Of course, Satan would love to harm America. This is why we can, we can rise up. We can say no. We should be the ones pushing back. We should be the ones. And so the sons of God rising up is us taking our place as a force of good, a force of righteousness, a force of blessing, a force of redemptive power, and not letting the enemy, if we see, if we see any body, any body that is disabled, we have the grace on us to begin to speak life, bring life, bring hope, bring finance, bring resource, bring that that will turn that around. Amen. So even as, even as in your own observation, when you see, I remember, you know, it wasn't long ago, Grandma Phyllis, it actually was quite a while ago because she's been doing it so long now at 92 years old. But many years ago, she's like, well, I think rather than giving, you know, a lot of money away at Christmas to this, that, and the other thing, I'm going to give my money to heal the smiles of those born with cleft palates. Have you seen the smiles commercials? Have you seen those maybe in Charisma magazine or Christianity Today or they've popped up on your gateway Bible soft you know when you're searching the web or something? And so she's like, I'm gonna start giving some money to help those little children get that cleft palate fixed, get those teeth brought together, and have the potential of having a beautiful smile. And so there's where a lot of grandma Phyllis's loving Christmas funds go. Why? Because it breaks our heart. That's God in you, breaking your heart. That's God in you. That's God in you. Amen? Today the title of my message is Loving, Loving My Body. Loving My Body. interesting, Ephesians 5 says even that the way we should care for our spouse as men is the way we care for our own body, that we should love our spouse even as we love our own body. Now, this is not some kind of a, it shouldn't be seen as some kind of an odd fixation, loving your own body. But it is, it is the essence of it out of ephesians 5 is that we care for our body that we care for our body and knowledge knowledge results in a shift a shift of the way we care for our body because we care we love we protect we nourish now, what do I mean by knowledge? Well, maybe you're destroying your body with certain foods until knowledge comes. Maybe you're destroying your body with a certain behavior until knowledge comes. Usually, when knowledge comes, there's an accompaniment of conviction within that is like, hmm, this, this is not loving me very well. This is not taking care of me very well. And and we know that that the enemy wants to destroy our health, that this is part of part of the working of the curse as well that even as we are subject to and influenced by a world that's been given over to the curse then likewise there's things that we engage with there's things that we do there's things that we ingest there's things that we smoke there's things that are extremely harmful to the body but once knowledge begins to come then we begin to see hey that I should make a change there amen How many of you have made changes over the past? Uh, Just uh, uh, wiggle your elbow or something. There you go. All right. I didn't want it to be too obvious, you know. So I want to talk about the parallel of the body of Christ this morning. Because, in the same way that we disdain, recognize, uh, dislike, Uh, Are grieved over physical disability, we should be grieved over disability in the body of Christ. The Bible calls the church, the ecclesia, the called out, those that are gathered unto the Lord. The Bible calls us as a metaphor, but as a reality, the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ, and he remains the risen one as the head, but we are his extension in the earth, and as long as we're alive, as long as your heart is beating and your lungs are working, you are a member of the body of Christ. You are an extension of him. You are one who is alive with him. You are one who is a a cell of the Lord, in whom the life of the Spirit is operating and moving. He's the one quickening us, quickening you, giving us life. And we together in local assemblies represent the body of Christ. In local assemblies combined, we represent the kingdom of God, but on a local expression, we, reckon, we, we represent the body of Christ. So I'm thinking about today how Satan doesn't like an enabled body, he wants a disabled body. Just as he's working to bring harm, sickness, disease, just as he's worked over the years. And, of course, we've come a long ways uh, since the coming of the Lord. We really have. Health has come so far. Health and healing and medical care and knowledge and insight has come so far to help us overcome the curse and the working of Satan against the physical body. But Satan rages against the spiritual body, the body of Christ. He wants a disabled body, a disabled people. So I want to talk about four ways that the enemy may be working in a body, within a body. Four ways that the enemy may be working to disable a body. Number one... Isolating God's appointed leaders from their appointed flock. This could be a way that the enemy could be working to disable the body. I always uh, grew up with this, this, I don't know, I had this inbred in me from the time that I was born on the pew probably... You know, that God calls us to leaders, God calls us to churches, God calls us, God that, that there's something divine in God, that God even, that he's revealing stuff to us. It's not, it's not just him bringing that which he determines and you must follow, but it's out of his foreknowledge, it's him giving us a revelation of that which is the highest and the best for us. I probably could have chosen another woman uh, than this one down here and still made it to heaven potentially you know it 's possible but when... <laughs> she doesn 't think so, but but when the holy spirit when the Holy Spirit clearly said. In the inner man, this is your wife. This is, when I got that download, that was a download of the highest and the best. Now, I could have fought that. Have you ever fought the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Uh, I could have fought that. I could have resisted. I, I could have married somebody else. Probably would have had a shipwreck. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, instead, for some crazy reason, I just leaned into the word from the Lord. And I had been trained all of my life, which is not a bad thing, that the Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you, and He wants to drop into your gut the highest and the best. That is leading vocationally. His leading about a wife. His leading so many things. The Holy Spirit wants to drop into your gut what is the highest and the best. And so I've always had this crazy leading about shepherds and under shepherds as well, that God has leadership for us. Whenever this church has been orphaned, okay, because I've felt like, well, we need to be under apostolic leadership. Then we've sought God, we've fasted, we've prayed, we've gotten together as an eldership team until we got the direction of the Lord. And God has used leaders in our lives so many times to encourage, to set the course, to prophesy over us, to, to, to help us. And in the same way that I'm that I'm I remember in 2010 when Shayon came up on the platform and the Holy Spirit spoke to me I was on the front row and he said this is your family. It was a clear highest and best word. And it was a transition from one family to another. We had we've gone we've been here 25 years and so we've been we've been always receptive to when the cloud moves moves when it stays stay. Yes and i believe that that god has the same for us as people that that the way we shop for the way we shop for a church shouldn't be based on air conditioning it shouldn't be based on the color on the wall it shouldn't be based on the coffee beans it shouldn't be based on it shouldn't be based on the depth of the foam on the chair i believe that the way that we find god's leading for us as a people where he would knit us to a body so that that body would be enabled and not disabled is that we listen to, that we pay attention to the Holy Spirit. And I believe this is one of Satan's tactics, is to isolate appointed leaders from the appointment of their flock. First Peter 5, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ to partake also of the glory to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Well, they have to be among you. What if they're not among you? I can only shepherd those that knit themselves, that recognize, hey, there's something special here. This is where I belong. There's something family here. And then it doesn't matter what comes. It doesn't matter if storms come, troubles come. I don't interpret storms as I'm no longer called here. I'm supposed to leave here. I don't belong here. I don't interpret storms. I not interpret storms as get out of here. The Lord rebuked my relationship, this that's this, this causing conflict with my relationship with this appointed leader. Hello? Am I saying this okay? Am I doing all right? See, here's what I think. I think that that when we come to the Lord, we're definitely called to Jesus, but then I think we're also called to the appointed leader that God or leaders, there's, there's seasons, we've experienced that here, that God appoints that we would be led, that we would follow, that we would knit to appointed leaders that have something great to do with the transitions of growth in our lives. Thirdly, we're called to one another. So I think there's three healthy callings in a body. Member, in a body member, we're called to Jesus, but we're called to the leader that He puts over us, and then we're called to one another in that particular body or that particular house. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Uh, leaders like me even hate to read verses like this. Uh, it says, "Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account." Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Numbers twenty seven fifteen. Then Moses spoke to the Lord and said, May the Lord, the God of all spirits of flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who will lead them out and will come in before them, who will lead them and bring them in so that the congregation will not be like sheep that have no shepherd. There's, uh, you know, all sorts of talk these days about, you know, pastors, you know, pastors are, you know, really not that cool, and we shouldn't use the word pastor uh, because pastor is just one of the smaller words in Ephesians 4 and whatever. There's there's so much, you know, interesting talk that goes on in our apostolic circles. The main thing is, is that God wants us to be under a shepherd, and then God God holds the shepherd, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy, you think you're in trouble. Then God holds the shepherd accountable for how he or she shepherded. You're going to be you're going to be held accountable as to how you sheeped. And I'm going to be held accountable as to how I shepherded. But my point is that there's a divine place for you in God. And then if you You know, I mean, just on the mission trip alone, so many, I wish I could tell the names, but, you know, it's just fun for me to hear testimonies of those of you that are sharing, you know, since I came to New Horizon, this is what's happened to my life. This is what stopped. This is how the enemy was pushed back. This is what's turned around since I came to New Horizon. There's something special about following the leading of the Lord to knit yourself to a particular body, a particular house, but also an appointed leader. An appointed leader. Wow, crazy, crazy stuff. Number two, Satan, Satan works to isolate us from the household of faith. Here, I'm just talking about uh, friendship, association. Uh, 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 building, gathering, uh, getting together with God's team, God's family, weekly gatherings. Galatians 6, 9 and 10, let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So this is this is another expression for the body of Christ. The Lord draws us into families. He knits us into these families. We become a part of these families. And he intends that we would draw near to the family. He intends, he desires that we count this as our family that we count these that he's drawn us to. And by the way, we don't get to pick them. You picked the Lord, and then the Lord picked me for you. And you didn't get to, you didn't, you probably didn't get to, uh, you know. Maybe there's some things about me that really bug you. It's exactly why you're here. The Lord's working something out in you. Hallelujah. And then you don't get to pick each other. Did you notice that in your own birth family? In your own birth family, you know, Jasmine didn't get to pick Caleb. Oh, boy. Right? Caleb didn't get to pick Sterling. You know? But... What happens is as God knits us to a family, so first we're drawn to the Lord, we're drawn to an appointed leader, and then we're drawn to be committed to a family. We're knit to one another, and that means proximity. That means weekly gatherings. That means getting together. That means rubbing shoulders and having conversations. That means listening until your ear falls off. ever happened to you? Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider, let us meditate, let us consider, let us muse, let us mull on how to stimulate, how to provoke, the King James says, one another into love and good deeds or good works, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. Some... Even when Paul wrote this, we're like, "Uh, we don't really need to get together. Uh, It's not that important. Ah, Whatever you know, I got some big stuff going on Sunday morning. So even when Paul wrote this, there was some stuff going on where folks were saying, well, if we're complete in Christ, we don't need this one another stuff. And if we're, you know, I mean, we're already, we're saved. We're on our way to heaven. Glory to God. They held me down three seconds when I was baptized. I really don't need that Sunday morning stuff. So there were already some talking about this, but he says, all the more as you see the day of the glory of Christ Even as things get better and better, don't think I don't need to get together. Realize that all the more we need to get together. Part of that is that if if you start winning, it's no time to quit. Relax. If you start winning, if there's progress, it's actually time to pour on the coal. It's time to put the pedal to the metal. It's time to really, right? I mean, if we're ahead, let's really get ahead. I mean, it's it's no time to. This is no time to put the best QB on the bench. This is a time to really press in and let's see the earth become full of the glory of God, like the waters cover the sea. Yeah? Encouraging one another all the more. Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves... And the fellowship, and breaking of bread. Colossians three sixteen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, thanksgiving in your hearts to God. 1 Corinthians fourteen twenty six. What then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for the building of one another up. Acts 27. And on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking. And he prolonged the message until midnight, just as each pastor should do. Certain verbs have been added to the text. The daily, the, the, weekly, the weekly coming together of the body of Christ has been with us since the resurrection. Even the day of Pentecost, what was the first day of the week, this has been with us since the resurrection. Gathering together to pray, to be together, to share, to break bread, to have communion, to pray for one another, to listen to the teaching of the word. But Satan wants to isolate us. Satan wants to isolate us. Satan wants to drop within us various reasons, excuses why we should be isolated from the household of faith. Thirdly, I believe the enemy wants to isolate us from one another. What I mean by that is we have to be so careful that church is not something we attend instead of something that we are. The trend in so much of America is the one-hour church service. It's the notch and the gun. It's McDonald's church. It's drive-through worship. It's a disassociation from the one another relationships that we're called to. Not only are we called to gather up as a habit together, but we are called to build relationships with one another. We are called to get to know one another. We're called to work together. We're called to strengthen one another. We're actually called. Did you know Jesus is actually relying on you to build somebody else up? He says in Ephesians 4 that the mature church, that when he ascended, Ephesians 4 and 8 through 15, when he ascended, he gave his gifts to humans that they might build up, equip the body of Christ for the works of ministry. The word there in the Greek is doma, ministry. Until we all come to the unity of the faith, until we all come to the fullness of the stature that belongs to Jesus, then we will speak the truth in love, and we will build one another up. We're called to build one another up in love. We actually supply something to one another. Even this morning, as you came in, you came in not only as a receiver, but you came in as a reservoir of the Spirit to supply to somebody else something that they need this morning. You have a word they need, you have a hug they need, you have service that a child needs, you have something, you contain something. And it's not just manifest when we gather in the corporate gathering, but it's manifest when we gather in our homes and everywhere we gather. We begin to see, this is my family, this is my family, and I am a part of building them up, and they build me up. I'm not complete without you, you're not complete without me. Boy, the shouting should be double. Woo! 1 Corinthians 12. Even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we've all been baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we all were made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each of them, in the body just as He desired. This is part of why we have to know that we've been called to a local assembly is because he is placing us where he needs us, where he desires us, because you have something about you that somebody else here needs and somebody else doesn't have. This is why we need your expression. This is why it is said that the first reformation was to give the Bible back to the church. The second reformation is to give the ministry back to the church. You are a minister here. Isaiah 61 says that there will be a day as we come to Zion where they will all be called ministers. They will all be called ministers. That's why it says that really those who function in any office are not really the true ministers. They are the equippers of you who are the ministers. You are the true ministers. So you're not just a Christian. You're not just one who just attends a fellowship, just checks in, checks out, gets a bulletin. You are one who is a builder. There's a treasure in you that builds someone else. And that treasure is needed to shine forth out of your heart so that those around you will receive, they can't receive from somebody, they're going to receive from you. You do something for somebody that I can't do. Wow, Holy Spirit, help us get that. You do so. And so this is interesting. He's talking about the various parts of the body. He says, "On the contrary, it's much truer that the members that seem weaker are still necessary, and the members that we deem less honorable, that we on those we bestow abundant honor. And even on less presentable members, that they become more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. The cool cats don't need more attention. But those of you that don't think you're cool, guess what? Love yourself well. Love who you are. Love what God's called you to. And you, on you, we want to bestow even more honor. And I think of various things when I think of that. I I think of those, you know, called to, to children's ministry. Well, I'm not calling I don't. I don't really don't want to do that. I'm just, they're in the back room. They don't even get to set in the service. And there's children's ministry, just little bitty tanks and little, little rascals. Those little bitty. What are they going to do? Grunt and groan, pee and poo. And what are we going to do? Clean up a little bit of crud. And, well, are they going to. Well, I'm not going to serve back there. I'm not going to do with that. Are you kidding me? That might be exactly where you're needed. But but that that. That unction, that desire, that little quickening, that little spark within you, if you despise it or if we if we don't see it as honorable, if we're not putting honor, if we're not putting honor on some of these areas of ministry, and the areas of love and the areas of building up the body, if we're and if you're not putting honor on yourself, whoa, hey, whoa, that's a spark within me. That's a good spark. Loving children—that's a good spark within me. That's a, wow! That's a good spark, right? That's an honorable spark within me. But if you don't see that, then you're going to be like, "Well, I don't, I don't want that. I want—I want to be on television." I should be on the platform. I I want to do something that's really cool and visible. And I want to be... No! That spark within you has got great value. And we can't exist as a body. We're going to be disabled instead of enabled. Unless you yield to that spark and begin to see there's honor in that spark. There's honor in that spark. God's going to set you apart. Bless you because of that spark within you that you might be deeming as, I don't really love this about me. You ever tried to hide something about you? I've got a really little, small right bicep, you know. So every time you go to shake hands, I don't. I shake I always shake with my left hand, Why? well, because my my right bicep is kind of atrophied. It's kind of a you know. I mean, we have little things about us. We <laughs> we have little things about us that we hide, don't we? Yeah. little, little things about us that aren't as presentable, yes? And so here he's saying that none of us, even you, you don't demean your calling. Don't demean that. Don't let you begin to think that that spark within you is less than this right here. Right here, the guys on the platform, the guys on the television cameras, Joel Osteen with fifty thousand people. Well, I'm, I'm just not, I'm just not that. I'm just, I'm just a small little peanut in God's kingdom. I'm just, I'm really just a worthless little worm. But I, I'll take the offering. I'll, I'll be an usher for Jesus. But I'm. Uh, Every one of us have value, every one of us are necessary, and this body right here can't function and be fully enabled without your part. Isolating us from one another, though, that's what I was on, isolating us from one another. Oh, my goodness. Part of the enemy's influence is to keep us from good relationships. Getting us thinking, getting us thinking that we're too busy. We run in and we run out. Satan is trying to keep us from relationships. Isolation is unhealthy. But we begin to think, or there is a, there's an influence that comes within. I'm sufficient on my own. I don't really need the prophetic people. I really don't need the teach, teaching people. I, I really don't need to join in the prayer circle. I I really, I really don't need, I'm not available to help with that family. Uh, I, 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 I really don't, I really don't need to get together with them for coffee. Isolation, isolation. One of Satan's tactics to bring forth a disabled body is to isolate us from relationships and from one another. There's uh, 59 one-anothers in the New Testament. I'm not going to give them all to you. 59 one-anothers. Wash one another's feet. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Accept one another as Christ accepted you. Instruct one another. Greet one another. When you come together to eat, wait for one another. Have equal concern for one another. Serve one another in love. Carry one another's burdens. Be patient with one another. Be kind and compassionate. Forgive one another. 59 of those in the New Testament. 59 of them. And one of them I'm not telling you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Don't try that after service. Fourthly, Satan seeks to isolate us from the generations. Satan seeks to isolate us from the generations. The anointing of Elijah, an anointing that always precedes the Elisha presence of Jesus, is the cry within us for the other generations. Malachi 4, 6 says, First, first I'm going to send Elijah. And Elijah will restore the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. Before the Elisha, and this is a pattern. This is a pattern that is set up in Scripture. Before there is an Elisha move in the midst of a people, in the midst of a body, there will be an Elijah. Ja, Elisha came second, the double portion overcoming anointing. Elijah, the prophetic anointing of Elijah will proceed and that anointing will begin to, and so when you feel that, please don't resist it. Satan wants to isolate us from the other generations. 85%, 85%, I, you know, I tell Chris this all the time, 85% of those who come to know the Lord are b- below the age of 18 years old. Only 15% of the people that come to know the Lord come after the age of 18 that means that we, who are older, should be very engaged with young ministry. That we should be passionate about youth and children's ministry. That we should be teaching, staffing, helping. That we should we should not be isolated from that generation that's coming. We should be engaged in that generation that's coming and this will kill a family this will kill a home this will kill this will kill anybody is it that which is beginning to come if we isolate it if we set it apart if we if we say that's not that's not where life is that's not we're going to miss out on what god has so the elisha anointing follows those who begin to so at the holy spirit i, I know that this is you know, the Holy Spirit will be working on our hearts and maybe this is one of the sparks that he's bringing within you is a spark to get engaged, get involved with younger ministry, with others outside of your generational sphere. Don't let it be quenched. Holy Spirit, we just thank you today that you are making us to be an enabled people, an enabled body, not a disabled body. We appreciate your moving within us. We we want the spark of health within us. We lean into, we look to, we desire, we confess, we want we want the spark of your health within us. And we welcome you. We welcome you, move in our hearts. Help us to become those who resist the enemy. Lord, we just agree that we have discernment, that you're giving us insight You're giving us understanding. We we know the schemes of the enemy, that we might tear them down, that we might live in a righteous rebellion to that which the enemy would drop in our hearts, that we would say, no, we're not available in Jesus' name.